Let's join our hearts together as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, there is just so much for us to pray about. But we're very thankful that you've got it all already taken care of. You know what you're going to do. You've known since the foundation of the world. And so we pray with confidence, hope, expectation. Give us patience to wait. Father, you've put us in a nation that still to some degree knows you. We pray for our leaders, our federal leaders, our state leaders, our local leaders. We ask that you guide them. Father, they face things and they know things that we don't. We sometimes presume to know those things. But we do pray that they would know the way that you would have them to go in. That your Holy Spirit would speak so loudly and evidently that they would know what you want them to do and where you want them to lead us. Make us a people that pray for our leaders, respect our leaders, and even if we disagree with them, love them for your sake and your kingdom. We pray for our missionaries scattered all over the world. They're away from their families and friends, serving you on these holidays, and perhaps they're lonely. So we ask that you so fill their lives with your presence that you're all that they can think about. Honor their work. Bless that work. Multiply that work. Help them to see that you are using them. Make them productive. Help the seeds that they plant to grow up into 30, 60, 100 fold. We pray for our local church here and in our presbytery. <clears throat> we pray for here that you will, as Larry prayed earlier, provide. Provide a buyer, provide the means, the funds for building, not for the glory of providence, but as a home where they can invite family and friends and neighbors to come hear your word. You have all of that in, in your control, and so we wait on that. We pray for those in our congregation here who need your 
healing touch, who need your presence in the hospital rooms, in the nursing homes, in their homes where they may be shut in. We pray that for those who are facing surgeries or unknown decisions, guide them. Give them a hunger to know your word and to do it. We pray, Father, that in this congregation, <clears throat> you will glorify yourself. You will help each person here to hunger for you. To not be satisfied with the stuff of this world, but to want more lasting things. We thank you, Father, that you have given us heaven to look forward to. Make us more heavenly minded than what we are and less distracted by this world. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, <clears throat> as it's the last day of the year, we're going to be looking at uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, 1 through 14, and we'll be reading it in just a couple of moments, and I'll ask you to stand at that point. We've all heard the good news, bad news jokes that go around. Uh, it seems that there was an elder that came into the pastor's study one day and it said to him, Pastor, I have good news and I have bad news for you. Oh, well, tell me the good news. Well, the good news is that the session met and they're very excited about the job description that you wrote for being a pastor. Oh, okay. Well, what's the bad news? Well, they voted to unanimously to form a search committee to go out and find a pastor to fill that job description. A patient goes to his doctor to get his test results, and the doctor says to him, well, I have some good news and some bad news for you. Which do you want first? Oh, well, give me the good news. Um, the test came back positive, and you only have 24 hours to live. And the man said, that's the good news? Uh, what's the bad news? I forgot to call you yesterday. A lawyer tells his client, I'm afraid I have some good news and some bad news for you. What's the bad news? Well, your blood and the DNA in it was found all over the crime scene. Oh, dear. Well, what's the good news? Well, the good news is that they did tests on the blood and your cholesterol is down to 130. 
this is that time where we look back on the past year and we think about the things that have happened. And we have to admit that to a certain degree, there's been a lot of bad news this year. All we have to do is look at the wars in uh, Gaza, in Ukraine, and in other places as well. We look in our own country and we see inflation. Uh, in spite of what the government says, inflation is still very much there. COVID seems to be making its rounds again, and we're struggling with that. Elections are coming up, and uh, we don't have the nice choices and the good choices that we maybe wish that we had. This is also the time of the year when we think about making plans for the new year and uh, what it's going to bring. But when there's so much bad news, how do we plan for the new year? Well, I've been reading through Jeremiah, and it seems that <clears throat> the time that Jeremiah is writing about and in is in many ways pretty close to today with lots of bad news and a little bit of good news. So let's read about that from Jeremiah chapter 29. Would you stand as I read these verses? These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisah, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years <clears throat> are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask very simply that you open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to us and show us what you would have us to do. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. This letter from Jeremiah kind of sounds like some good news and some bad news. Babylon, a foreign godless country, had come in, and through three different invasions, they took some 50,000 of the best people, citizens of Judah, their leaders, their craftsmen, the young men, who were destined for leadership, all of them, and took them to a foreign culture, a foreign language, a foreign way of life with no rights for them. And it was judgment from God on the godlessness of his people living there in Jerusalem and in Judea. For the believers that were in Babylon, they were struggling. What do we do now? How do we live in this foreign culture? Where do we go from here? Lord, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Jeremiah had some good news for them. It's the kind of good news that we need to hear from God today. We hear that God has plans for us. And really... When we think about making plans in <clears throat> for 2024, 20, we really need to be thinking more about God's plans because it's God's plans that matter. It's God's plans that he wants us to be thinking about and to be focusing on and watching as God's plans for this year unfold in our world. The Christian life is all about our fitting into his plans. Because God promises and plans to prosper us, we can persevere in spite of the things around us, the good things, the bad things. Life is full of problems, and sometimes it seems that way, especially for Christians. We're told that if we will live godly lives, we will suffer persecution. And we are seeing that happen more and more, certainly in other parts of the world, and perhaps soon in this world as well. You will suffer when you stand up boldly for what is right. But in the midst of our problems, God promises to prosper us. Not the physical, material kind of prospering, that we might be thinking about, but the lasting prosperity, the spiritual prosperity 
that he has in store for us as we're going to see here. Psalm 112 says that the righteous will not fear bad news. <clears throat> so, are you ready for some good news? Well, let's see what it is. First of all, <clears throat> God does plan and promise to prosper us so that we can persevere. God promises that these people will be in Babylon for 70 years. Why so long? Well, first of all, in uh, 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21, it says that those 70 years represent all the years that they were in Judah and in uh, Israel when they didn't observe the years of rest and jubilee. So this was to make up for those years. 70 years meant that one, maybe even two generations were going to be in Babylon for all of that time. Why the 70 years? Well, maybe it was necessary so that uh, spiritual change really could take place. <clears throat> you know, when trials get over very quickly, we don't really learn the lessons that we should have learned. Take 911, for example. The churches were full after 911. We were all singing, God bless America, in the seventh inning. Well, how long did that last? Not very. These plans <clears throat> also included Babylon and its empire. Eventually, God was going to deal with Babylon in 539 B.C. He destroyed that nation with the hands of uh, Persia and Media. But 70 years, that is a long time time. <clears throat> what if God told you <clears throat> that you are going to face some horrible times for a number of years? How would you react to that? God told his people that these would last for 70 years so that <clears throat> they would know that those hard times are not going to last forever. There was going to be an end. To it. And sometimes when you know that something's not going to go on forever, you can, you can put up with it, you can persevere through it because you know there is an ending that's coming to it. God takes time to work out his plans in history. He works in time and space. These may be big plans that cover empires, or they may be very individual, personal plans. Remember here, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, each of them individually. They can cover the pages of history, or they can cover our own ordinary, individual lives of marrying, having families, raising our children, starting a career, planning our retirement, planning even our later years. God doesn't make plans lightly or make promises lightly. 
He plans for how those promises are going to be fulfilled tangibly. He knows what he's doing. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Knowing God's plans ought to give us a confidence to persevere through the problems. Uh, this past fall, I put in a uh, glass and screen door in our house. And I started looking through the instructions. I thought, maybe I ought to take this door back. I don't know that I'm going to get this done. But I started with step number one, then step number two, number three, and after a while, I thought, you know, I think I can do this after all. We have steps. And in some ways, I think God was giving the people here some steps that they could kind of check off. Get married. Check. Raise your family here. Check. Plan the weddings for your children and finding appropriate spouses for them. Check. Plant your garden. Check. Pray. Check. The same goes for us too. All of these things of life are steps that God has for us to check off as we watch his grace and his plans unfolding for us. In these difficult times, God gives us specific little things to do, like loving our neighbors, loving our enemies, doing good works, making disciples. All of those things that we can actually do while we watch God's promises and plans being fulfilled. Secondly, God also plans here for our peace because he plans for our peace, we can also persevere. In the tough times that we're following with Jeremiah, with Daniel, and the times that were coming for them, and the times that are coming for us too as Christians throughout the world, sometimes when it's difficult, the temptation for us to think is, God, where are you? What are you doing here? Do you know what I'm going through? And when we have those doubts and those uncertainties, guess where they come from? Yeah, they come from the devil. Trying to focus us on all the stuff out there that's going wrong instead of looking at God's sovereignty and that his plan is going according to plan. Now you might be wondering here, uh, wait a minute, Will, I didn't hear that word peace being read in this passage, so where do you get the idea of peace? 
Well, it's the Hebrew word behind the word for welfare that God, that Jeremiah writes here several times. It's the word shalom. And we often translate shalom as peace, but it's much more than that. It means that sense of well-being, that, that sense that in spite of whatever is going on out there, it's all going to be all right. That's the shalom. That's the peace. And it's God's presence that brings that all-encompassing peace. It was often told that Andrei Sakharov, the Nobel Peace Prize winner in 1975 from Russia, had an amazing influence on people. When he walked into a room, all the arguing, all of the tension and turmoil would just stop. He had that kind of quietness about him. You see that in your own family. Your kids can be bickering and fighting. You walk into the room, what happens? They quiet down. Or the disciples. You know how they would argue about who is the greatest among us? Jesus walked in among them and they were quiet. What did that? It was the presence of God. And God is saying to his people here, I will be with you. No, you're not in Jerusalem. No, you're not where the temple used to be. But I'm with you. And that's what makes all of the difference. Yes, they had to leave family and friends and Jerusalem. But God had planned for them not to be alone. All of the exiles together. God planned for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel to be together. To have each other. To encourage each other. God's presence when Christians gather together makes all of the difference. In Matthew 18, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there with them. So whatever you're facing right now, you may be facing some unpeaceful situations, things that are threatening your well-being. Uh, maybe it's your job, maybe it's your family something going on in your neighborhood, whatever it may be. If you're focusing on the presence of God going with you into that environment, you can have the peace, the shalom that God promises here. I like what um, <clears throat> Bill Lukestein, one of our item instructors, wrote on Facebook uh, a few years ago, this was actually during the elections taking place in uh, 2020. He said, no election has stakes high enough to justify compromising the great name of our God by how we engage in the political process. Election or not, 
Christians must be ruled by the law of love that binds us together to practice patience, kindness, contentment, humility, respect, peace, justice, forbearance, faith, hope, and endurance. If we want to thrive in the times of problems, if we want to persevere, we need to avail ourselves of the promises of God and especially the promise of His presence. You're in His Word. That's where you're hearing Him speak to you. You're praying to Him. You're in His presence, in a holy presence, as you speak to Him. You're in fellowship with each other. You're in the presence of God through those difficult times. We need to fight the enemy, yes, but not fight each other. We need to talk to each other, not at each other. God planned for this, for us to make use of his means. Now, for the believers in, in Babylon, God also encouraged them by giving them a place that tells us that God promises and plans for a place for us so we can persevere. They had lost their place. They were out of Jerusalem. They were out of Judea. They were away from the tabernacle and the temple and all of that. But God says to them, I put you in this place. Pray for this place. Settle down in this place and benefit from being here. Pray for its welfare. You notice in verse 11 here, God says that he will give them a future. Now that's an interesting word here, future. It actually means not a time. It means an end place. That's the meaning of this word. I will give you an end place. Now God said he was going to be with them while they were in Babylon. He was going to bring them back to Jerusalem and eventually he would help them to build the temple again and to rebuild it. But Babylon was not their end place. Judea was not their end place. Jerusalem was not their end place. And this place and the United States is not our end place. We may be worried about where's our country going to? What's going to happen in the next couple of years? Where are our leaders going to take us? What happens if God brings judgment on the United States? And he may very well do that. But remember... Jesus' promise in John 14. In my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and bring you with me. That's the promise. The promise of a place and his taking us to that place. All of our earthly homes, they're only temporary. I'm reminded of a missionary who was coming home 
to the United States for a leave and for uh, refreshment again. He gets off the plane and he notices that all the other passengers are disembarking and there are people there waiting for them, excited to see them, hugging them, smiling at them. And he thinks to himself, Lord, I've been serving you. I'm coming home and there's nobody to meet me here at home. And he says, at that moment, it seemed as if God spoke to him and said, you're not home. You're not home. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the saints of old, such as Abraham and others, who were looking for a heavenly country, a new Jerusalem. And we're told in Hebrews 13, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. A place for us. A while back, someone at our Wednesday evening prayer service asked the question, I don't know what I should be doing. I see all of this stuff happening around me and it's not good stuff and I want to get in there and I want to fix it but at the same time I'm wondering is this of God and am I getting in his way as he's bringing judgment on things what do I do and we maybe feel the same way at times do I get in there do I do something do I just not do anything well Jeremiah was giving them some good news in the midst of the bad news. God had promises and plans to give them a peace, a prosperity, a place. And in the meantime, what he's telling them is, do the little things. Take care of your family. Grow them in Christ. Share the Lord with your children. Encourage each other in your church. Pray for each other. Pray for your neighbors. Look for opportunities to share the good news, the really good news of eternal life with them. Pray for them. Because we're told, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, here's some little things. I spoke to my neighbor today. Check. I did this or that. Check. That's not it. We can't do any of those things. We wouldn't even think of doing those things without Christ changing our hearts and our lives and giving us this hope of eternal life and of heaven that's only coming from him and if we're able to follow through on that it's only through him living in our lives that's the gospel now you may be here today and your life is full of bad news well let me encourage you there is one good 
news that you need to be seeking out. And that is the good news of the gospel. And if you're not sure what that is, the elders here will be happy to share that with you. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you give plans and promises and that you are aware of each one of us and where we fit into your plans. And they're good. And they're for your glory. So, Father, teach us to walk by faith and not by sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.